All right. Well, here we are at another session of the Boulder Bolding with Alec Tsukatos. And uh, we're going to talk about another one of the characteristics of a steady state economics, or also known as an ecological economics. And this is one topic in which we're almost for sure going to raise eyebrows because we want to talk about population control. I remember when I was young, that was a huge topic and a huge concern. I just have a couple quotes to get us started off here. Uh, one is biologist Patrick Benson, who uh, wrote a book, A River Runs Again, India's Natural World in Crisis. He just simply says, there are too many of us and no one is talking about it. And another quote by a very well-known voice, David Attenborough, who says that one cannot conceive of an ecological problem that wouldn't be easier to solve with fewer people. What is the essential tenant that Kenneth Boulding and Herman Daly talked about, that there has to be a control of the human population? Yes. Kenneth Boulding, interestingly enough, has had a different one than from um, Herman Daly. He had uh, a rather funny one about providing each person with a point at birth so that they could produce a child for every point that they had so that everybody was equally distributed with a point each. So if you wanted to have two children, for example, that would take the place of others that died, obviously, is uh, that you would just have two children. If you wanted to have three children, to have to buy a point from somebody else who didn't want to have children, but they still had the right to have children, but they were willing to give up that point for whatever price there so was it, for it children. it sounds almost like an exchange. Yes, there is an exchange, an exchange. But everybody has the same access to, to having children, yes? There isn't... Just because you're wealthy, you have you can have more children granted you at the very outset. Right. So you'd use the market system for distributing the assets that one already has. Yeah. So that's... Explain why uh, they felt that it was really important that you have to have population oh, control. Yes. I mean, that's, yeah, let's that's, start with the, the yes, fundamental Yes, very, very, very fundamental one. And that is that if you restrict growth to zero growth, then if you don't restrict population, then the per capita income of everybody would go down every year because the population uh, would have increased. And okay. so everybody would have less. Right. So, and that would not be acceptable by anybody. Right. And so we can go back to the spaceship analogy that... Yes. If we're all on a spaceship and we just keep getting more people on the spaceship with the same amount of limited resources, then the allocation to everyone just becomes diminishes, less and less. Diminishing necessarily. Yeah. I encountered an analogy, uh, an analogy that both you and I know well that, you know, with our bulging bellies, you know, that when you have your whole wardrobe with a certain set of pants that's for this size waist and if it you keep getting bigger and bigger well then at some point you you can't fit in your clothes that's right that's right and that's right we're in a situation where well you can't go and you can't go get a bigger planet 
<laughs> yes, and, and, and therefore it implies that my having more children than two, let's say, or, or one per person intrudes into your freedom of having children. And even uh, the libertarians will say that my freedom stops where yours begins. So then we would, uh, we would go over that. Right. Uh, so uh, just as just some basic numbers here, yeah. uh, 1950 we had 2.5 billion on the planet. Currently we're at 8 billion, and the prediction by 2050 is we'll be at 10 billion people on the planet. It's interesting that uh, this is the number because the GDP of the world is 80 billion. Uh, essentially. 80 trillion, sorry. So it's about $10,000 per person. If we divided all the income equally in the world, it would be $10,000 uh, okay. per person. All right. I'd made that calculation many years ago, but I had used the 76 trillion and uh, now it's 80. So, And the vast, vast majority are in the developing countries. So the assumption of Bolding and Herman Daly, Her Herman Daly is there must be some sort of population controls. Limit, yeah. Limit. yes. Limit to the total, and then how do you distribute that total to the individuals, and what mechanism do you use other than violence? Now, we all are familiar with China's attempt yes. to limit the population because they, more than anybody over the past 50 years, 50 years has understood that if we don't control this, then we, we simply can't sustain ourselves. Well, the benefits that accrue from the economic growth that they've experienced, which is the highest of any country at any time over the last 50 years or so, mm -hmm. is going to erode. Right. They won't be able to sustain it, and they will go, begin going downhill again. Correct. But, of course, their solution was to have, was very coercive. Oh, it, I mean, it, it was, was terribly like, violent. Yeah, uh, yes, you, you, you wouldn't allow people to have more than two. One. At one point, one, one child. One. That's right. One and child. And they had forced sterilizations. That's right. Uh, uh, yes. Widespread so. abortion. This is a volatile type <laughs> discussion to have because most people are going to refer to that and say, well, you know, this is a violation against God and humanity. For Yes, but you can have control. Let's say we have controls of traffic. We have control of markets. We have a lot of controls that are not violent and that are uh, actually quite benign in terms of the uh, effects that it has on the population. Right. As now, long as it's a fair allocation, that's it seems right. to me, is the biggest issue. Now, Alec, you have in the past talked to me about if there was a more of an economic equality distribution uh, that some of this control uh, population would happen naturally. That's right. So you want to explain that yes. a little bit? What we have discovered is poor people tend to have a great number of children for two basic reasons. One is that they know ahead of time that a certain percentage of those children are going to die very early. Secondly, uh, they have many children because they use their children, 
naturally. I'm not uh, accusing them. It is just the way uh, they explain it is in order to have social security in their old age. Modern Westerners, let's say, a child is not an asset. It's a liability because you have to uh, have schooling for them. You have to buy uh, ballet lessons and you know hockey lessons and this and that and the other. So uh, they tend to limit their children, and we've seen that that beyond a certain level of income, depending on the country, then uh, people don't have very many children without being coerced in any way whatsoever. Right. It just. And Makes more the, sense. The thing that has, in my mind, settled the matter is with respect to uh, China. As, as you said earlier, they use very coercive means, and then a few years ago, they relaxed those means altogether. And there was a concern initially from various uh, researchers that then the population would start the rate of increase of population would start increasing again, and that didn't happen. And the reason is, by and large, that um, the Chinese, in general, have risen to a kind of lower middle class. Their income has increased. There's a guaranteed retirement provision for, for people, and therefore they don't need to have more children in order to be taken care of later on in their lives. Now, here's almost the, uh, well, it's the reverse of what you're, you're saying. And this I picked up from an article in The Guardian called, Can China Recover from Its Disastrous One-Child Policy? It's written by Lily Ko. What's going on is reverse, that China needs more labor, and families are not wanting to have any more kids. Yes. Because... Now that they've raised their lifestyle up a little bit, the problem is that parents are exhausted yes. with just making sure one child can succeed. There are too many children competing for so little. Yeah. There's a struggling economy. The struggling economy is the main reason why people don't want children. China believes it, it's a problem yeah. because its population is now declining. This is the same problem that Japan has had. Singapore, European countries, and we're having the problem. Your younger generation can no longer sustain the older generation. Social security is always based on this idea that you have an ongoing, growing economy that can support the older generation. This kind of throws uh, a kink in what, you, you know, the logic of saying, well, you know, if everyone... No, no, it doesn't at all. That is to say, here's the way I would respond to that. The topic for the day is how to control a population, all right? And I say that that has been solved. We know how to do it. You see to it that everybody has Social Security of one kind or another. Obviously, in poorer countries, you would have less but it would be equal to the amount that they would have anyway with a normal income, let's say. Right. So what you're bringing up is uh, something else. Another problem, lack, for example, of human beings to do certain kind of work. And sometimes people get really cynical and say, well, who's going to pick up the garbage? You know, if we don't have more people. So this is a, an extraordinarily bad idea as to why we should have more people in order to take <laughs> care of the, of the garbage. I think that 
we need to attend to these other problems that you mentioned that come as a result of population not increasing, rather than not going with that solution for population increase, uh, stabilization, and then dealing with those other kinds of problems. What about having machines do this kind of work that labor used to do? Why on earth would we have human miners going into a mine if you can have it done by artificial intelligence Correct. and robots. I mean, Yet if we have vacuum cleaners now that run around the uh, various spaces and doing the work of a housewife or a husband, uh, why on earth can't we have this kind of work being done by machines? Right, but even still, the global economy is chasing after cheap labor. I can just refer to the the bike shop when we the pandemic we ran out of bikes world worldwide, and now they're outsourcing to Cambodia and, and Vietnam. Why? I mean, why not China? Well, because China's already risen to a certain level, yeah. and now they're no longer cheap labor. Yes. and so we're still chasing this idea of cheap. Labor That's right. And what and yeah. well, which relies on yes, cheap labor or another way of putting it, cheap costs of production, whether they're labor, whether they're machines, whether they're energy sources, whatever, because that increases profit. Yes, if you have a profit oriented exclusively profit oriented economy, then yes, you will attempt always to to cut costs. And one of the ways of uh, cutting costs is, uh, is paying people very little money. Right. So I think that that is, in a certain sense, an artificial problem, Keith. There are solutions to these kinds of things. And we can't sacrifice the very important piece about population uh, not growing anymore by saying, well, if we control population, then it will have these other terrible side effects, you know. We need to deal with the side effects per se uh, as well as the population per se. Yes, they're connected, but not sacrifice the reduction in population because there are these other other arguments about, well, what are we going to do about getting services? Right, right. As I've said before, when we talked about the distribution of income and wealth, one way of beginning to solve that problem is to say that government can gain the following decision, that we will look for contracts for public products and public services with companies that have a maximum ratio of, let's say, 20 to 1, with the highest income being 20 and the lowest income being 1. You know, so if you want to have a government contract, then you need to find a way of uh, changing the distribution of income and wealth in your company. Right, right. And that's just one solution for the distribution yes. of income. Then you can have a wealth tax. Then you can have an income tax. FDR had an income tax in the 40s when he was, he was suggested uh, beyond a certain income of 100%. Right. In other words, nobody gets more than such and such. It doesn't really matter how hard they work, <laughs> you know. Right. As to you know how you can fund social security, Varoufakis, 
in my estimation, the former uh, Greek uh, finance minister, has a very, very good example. He starts with the notion that all production is social. There is no such thing as a self-made man and self-made woman. Therefore, he suggests the following. Let, let's start with 10% of all of the stocks in all companies are put into a social fund okay. from which you can then pay people whatever it is that you want. And you say nobody is to fall below a certain income, no matter right. Yeah, in his latest how disabled book, he or how lazy they are or what have you. That's it. Yeah, in his latest book, he yes. he paints a yeah. picture of how every child gets a fund. Yes. Actually, there was two kinds of funds that they get when they're born. Yes. And so one is a bank account, actually. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So these things do require a really change of m mind and a change of heart. In other words, in the way that we perceive things. With the New Testament, one of the most repeated phrases from Jesus is not only repent, but uh, ha having to do with blindness. You just don't see clearly. So it seems to me that it, it has to do with this kind of reversal. What, what is the possibility Right. other than what we're doing now. It is definitely connected to economics. I, oh, you know, very much. So you have lived in Colorado for how long? 50, uh, 50 since, years? Since uh, 1971. <clears throat> okay, so, so, and I've lived uh, in Colorado all my life. And, 50, 50 and, years. Yeah, it's really kind of uh, perpetually sad to watch the kind of consumption of land going on in Colorado. Uh, all the western states are facing the real crisis of water. I mean, at some point, There's we no just question. simply, the planet can't produce any more water for us. Yeah, it, uh, yes, that's <laughs> right. It can't produce any and more water. We can't. And then I read in the business section how developers are all excited about the Colorado, you know, b uh, building here and building there and expanding and for one, all these buildings really can't accommodate not even lower middle class people to live. Yes. We keep cramming them into more and more tinier boxes. So it, it's so profoundly connected to the economics, this growth in virtually consumption of land, putting buildings on yeah. it and, and all that kind of stuff. And natural resources in general. And thus destroying something as beautiful as what Colorado is, right. it seems to me. So I got on the uh, website for Steady State Economics. Yeah. Here were some of their suggestions for how this could be accomplished. And then finally, I want to go back to what really is the big thing is how are you going to convince most people that population control really is something that we have to address and that we have to have a political will to do that? They uh, suggested ending subsidies for a second child. So beyond a second child, you don't get the yes. kind of subsidies for children. Something similar to what you mentioned. Offering payments for sterilization. I can just see re uh, religious people going nuts over that one. Uh, imposing tax penalties for large families. Yes. 
setting quotas for childbearing. I don't see how any of these could work in America, not right now. I think here's one that I think Verificus comes close to, a demographic dividend in which the working age population is larger than non-working age groups, and then making sure that there's equitable access to education opportunities. I don't know about the education opportunities. What's the logic? The logic goes like this. If you're more educated, you will know what, how to use birth control, uh, how to I think not it, have I more think the children. idea is that you can have an elevated uh, income, which is not quite true right now. I That's mean, right. Uh, my children are prime examples, and I, yes. I work with uh, millennials and whoever's younger than the millennials now, and they're working full-time, and they're hardly making anything that could be called a living wage. Yes. You know, and right. this is far beyond, by the way, minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, and, so. and uh, sometimes education has been associated with, well, they will know how to use birth control, and the more education tend to have more income so they can afford to buy birth control. What we've seen of that way of thinking is that it's virtual entirely nonsense because, let's say in India, you know, women and men know, you know, how to use birth control. And secondly, they, there was a program where they distributed the, uh, the birth control devices and they didn't use them. Why? Because they wanted more children. <laughs> because it, it was a social program. Instead of providing a social program, you right. know, they uh, provided with birth control devices and then sort of said, well, they're, they're not educated enough to know how to use it, which is nonsense. Right. Of course they know where, uh, how to use the, yeah. these if they, if they wanted to. You've got to go to as to why they want more children, not that if they knew how to have fewer children, they would do it. Not so. For developed countries, you don't see very many people not using birth control device because they they somehow don't have a university degree, do I know? Right. Or, or even a high school diploma. They know right. how to use a birth control device, no problem. I think it, the idea of educated people are going to understand the consequences. Ah, that, yes. That, that part of educated persons, Which goes yes. back to the article on China, you know, that people aren't wanting to have kids because it, just having one child is exhausting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's expensive. Yeah. Just trying to get one child to succeed. Well, let's... Um, wrap up the session we've done a lot of talking in this series and at some point i want to spend one or two sessions talking more about this but how the paradigm shift can really happen in the case of controlling population uh, i'm sure you realize what kind of giant resistance you're going to have to this yeah. like can you imagine conservative catholics or conservative evangelicals the, with the government suggesting anything along the lines of controlling the population. Well, look, I, let me give you a counterexample to that, right? So the lowest population rate of increase in Europe, not by far, 
because most of Europe doesn't increase in population, is uh, in Italy. So there you have a Catholic country, right? Altogether Catholic and very, very big. Even if you are on the sidelines, as it were, of Catholicism, you're a very big supporter of the Pope. You know, with respect to the issue of birth control, there's barely an Italian Catholic that pays attention to the teachings of the Church. So it's possible within a Catholic country to choose which parts of the teaching you're using depending on your uh, yeah, I lifestyle, can, et cetera. I can already hear the voices, somebody's brains exploding over what you just said. But it's um, true. And But it's it, it couldn't quite happen in America, not right now. You would... Right, you but, would have, you know, have okay. a massive resistance to that. I mean, we already have huge amount of resistance over limiting guns, let yes, alone right. uh, limiting children. So I, I think it might be useful not to go with legislation, to go with uh, with appeals, and also with uh, with providing people with resources, you know, monetary resources. Well, and, it uh, would definitely, it definitely can't be coercive. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. n not only as, as somebody being a Catholic or somebody being religious or somebody being conservative, just in general, one would be opposed to coercion like that. Right. I mean, one wouldn't like to have it imposed on oneself, let alone for another people. But even an issue like water in the front range of Colorado, where you have wise legislation to regulate growth, there's just end arounds all the time, mainly because of a, a capitalistic, a runaway capitalistic well, system. Well, in particular, what I had heard about Colorado in my doctorate days, one member of the faculty, I forget his name, was an expert on laws about water in Colorado. And he would say on a regular basis what a mess it was because it was like taxes in the United States is you build and you build upon the previous tax system. You wouldn't disassemble it and put it together in a, in a more rational and, uh, and fair way. You just added to it. So there needs to be some kind of decision to reconsider from scratch the laws having to do with water. Because That's... of the nature of population yeah. and yeah, I hate to sound skeptical because what's pushing all this is just uh, I have to make a living. I got to survive, and and yet we can't push towards the kind of suggestions you've had of, of a social secure, a true social security uh, yes. that that starts at birth, so that you know ahead yes. of time, not yes. that it's possible that we will get yes. it in the future. Or so you can yeah. you can be making decisions not not based on this sense of life or death, you know, economic life or economic death. and When they did the research on various experiments of uh, universal basic income, there were two ahead-of-time criticisms of it, that both of which were shown to be incorrect experimentally. One was that if people were guaranteed an income, they would become lazy. That has been shown to be altogether incorrect, not a little bit, but altogether. That is to say, people who feel secure become more creative rather than lazy. Right. 
and most people, I think, want to be industrious. They want That's to right. be about They're, Everybody things. wants to work. I mean, it gives you... but not excessively, not in a boring way, not yeah. in ways that pollute the environment, not in ways that uh, uh, create violence. You yeah, know, in create... ways in which it it uh, it benefits you and it benefits others. That's right. That's right. And most so, of the time, when you have a sense of your work having meaning, it's because it has it provides meaning for others as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So they discovered that that they wouldn't become lazy; they would become more creative. And secondly, they don't become spendthrifts. Oh, now that I have a guaranteed income, I'm going to buy myself a Cadillac or the equivalent. Right. Right. Yes, or a Tesla these days, I suppose. You know, so they they don't go that way. It, what they discovered is they might, if they know that it's short term. But if they know that it's long term, then they apparently don't. Correct. Yes. In other words, we're going back to the idea that a human being is not born and as as a bad seed or a mediocre seed or a, they become that. Right. So if you provide wonderful environment, then people will tend not to be nasty and cruel right. and this and that and the exactly. other. There was an article in the Seattle Times just the other day that said that a majority of people that went to the capital and were violent and so, so vicious were people who had troubles in, in their lives with money. <laughs> What a revelation. Right. You know, right. so, and if money, as in this society, is associated with uh, status, right. self image, so right. to speak, then, uh, you know, you don't have money, therefore you're nobody. Right. And this is the great genius of uh, Trump is that he tapped into that anxiety, right. and that oh, fear, oh, yeah. and that. Uh, oh, yeah. So you want less crime, you want less uh, aggression, you want less suicide, you, le you want less mental illness, then see to it that you provide. Right. And you want less people flooding yeah, the country. People, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you also yeah. also need to make sure that the countries surrounding you are economically viable as well. And that holds with all societies in, you know, ri rich Mexicans don't have lots of children. Right. Rich, in, yep. rich Indians don't have lots of children. Right. Come on. Well, certainly the answer is simple in its formulation. We can't have this many people on the planet. We can't con continue to grow. But there, there's still huge challenges. I, yeah, one but, of the major challenges but, but is how, it, how you could even have people motivated towards less children directly. You know, by a message of "Hey, don't have kids." No, no. <laughs> it's just no. like what you said. Well, there's the message to have more children. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 This can be not only yes a message and a narrative, but also policies that make it easy for people to understand the message and to to abide by it. Yeah, that's where I still think in America you're you're going to have a real difficulty with that. Well, R right now, at least. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, okay. And we really have one more that uh, is on, on the list, which is about trade. Yes. Oh, my I goodness. I don't know if you okay. want to you yeah. wanna, um, deal with that or not. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I definitely want our 
maybe last few sessions to really talk about what would it take to change the narrative that we're yeah. in because this just affects everything we've talked Absolutely. about it's like we're we're on a narrative and it's a neoliberal narrative still That's right you know my own frustration with watching the the whole trump saga you know these people that are following him as as you just mentioned with their the kind of financial squeeze it's like we're not addressing things in the right way we're not addressing what's really the problem and it affects everything but may, maybe we can talk about that of course yeah uh, for uh, me as course, a, yeah. a, a christian i still think that that narrative has to do with how we understand what, christ uh, uh, and, yes yes exactly and also to s suggest very strongly and from various angles and continuously there is not just one way. Correct. The Tina principle for me is one of the most murderous. The uh, Tina principle being? Uh, there is no the, alternative. Yeah, there is no uh, alternative. Margaret Thatcher. Yep. Yeah. 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 The, it, it stops everything. It's extraordinary. Right. It's just like telling somebody, you're a slave. There is no other way that you can conceive of yourself except that you're a slave right. and I'm your master. That's Well, it. that's that's what slavery's been all that's right. along. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> that's like right. It's like you that's If exactly you want to right. live here, this is what you're going to have to do. That's right. And we're enslaving ourselves and others as a result of this idea of only one way of doing everything. Right. There's even one way of doing science, can you imagine? <laughs> By considering that uh, uh, everything is material. The world is material. Right. Well, if the world is material, then you've excluded spirit from the very beginning. Right. Just right. from the very beginning. Yep. So, All right. Well, we're going to well, wrap this up. We've gone astray, but... Well, that's what adventure. we do almost every time. So yes, that's right. It's just, we're, we're just having conversation. Yes, for I any, love it. <laughs> for any any of the, our guests who are listening, this is Alec they, and they I. They know, they've been warned ahead of time, <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> we carry on like this uh, over coffee and bagels for years. Yes, that's right. <laughs>